our precious Heavenly Father. We're so thankful for the opportunity that we have to worship you. We're so grateful for the opportunity and the freedom to be able to gather and to lift up the name of Jesus together. Father, I pray for those that are going through times of what feels like great darkness in their life. Father, I want to pray for the Burns family today as they grieve and mourn the loss of a son, a brother, and an uncle, Greg. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus that you will comfort them. Father, I pray for those today that are battling the darkness of cancer. Those that may be going through times of darkness in relationship. Those that may be facing darkness in their finances. Father, I pray that for all of these, the light will dawn. I pray for all of these that there will be restoration, that there will be healing, that there will be hope in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you will move in us and among us today. Whether it's those that are here with us at Silver Creek in the sanctuary today, or whether it's those that are a part of our church online family. Father, I pray, move in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you here today, and I'm excited as we start this new month, the month of November. I've got to admit it's one of my favorite months, and I'm really looking forward to getting closer to Thanksgiving, and I think it's just going to be a great month. We're starting a new series that we're going to call Thanks Living. And I hope that you'll give me the freedom to change the word a little bit that way. But I'm really looking forward to it. And we're going to start our series off with a message that I'm calling Even in the Dark. And this is really an opportunity for us to look at what it's like to live a life of gratitude. You know, for the past seven months, we've been in the midst of an epidemic. We've been told that there have been over 220,000 who have lost their lives due to COVID-19. Worldwide, those numbers would approach 40 million. For many, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in their world. There's been, for many, a loss of jobs, loss of life. There have been businesses that have been closed. There's been isolation. There's been fear. There's been anxiety and depression. If you combine those things with the racial unrest that we have experienced as a nation, the rioting that's taken place, the very contentious election, which is a couple of days away. It's been some dark days. But, you know, in our nation, we've had 
many dark days as a nation. Let me just do a little bit of history here with us, beginning with some of the most, most recent dark days and work our way back. Of course, in 2001, September 11th, the attacks that happened here in our nation, we lost about 3,000 lives on the 9-11 attacks. If we go back further, let's go back to World War II. And I know that I'm not going to be giving a complete list, and it's not designed to be that way. But in 1941 to 1945, as a country, we lost about 100,000 lives due to that war. 1941, Pearl Harbor, about 2,400 lives were lost. 1929, the stock market crash. You might wonder why I mention it. 23,000 Americans committed suicide over that crash. World War I, 1914 to 1918, some 400,000 Americans lost their lives due to that war effort. 1906 to 1907, typhoid fever here in the U.S., 25,000 died. And in 1861 to 1865, the Civil War, the North against the South, brother against brother, father against son, 625,000 American lives were lost due to the Civil War. We've been in dark times as a nation before. But in this series, this series called Thanks Living, I want to challenge you because we can live a life of gratitude. We can live a life of thanksgiving even in the midst of dark times. Today I'd like to share with you three ways that we can live a life of gratitude even in those dark days. And the first thing I want to share with you is this that do not give in to fear. Has anybody here ever been afraid of the dark? I grew up on the south side of Janesville on a street called Schaller Street. And when I was a child, there was something that swept through our neighborhood. I grew up about a block away from the local junior high, and while I was in elementary school, there was someone a couple of blocks from us that believed, and I know this sounds silly, they believed that they were a vampire. And there was such an incredible spirit of fear that existed in our neighborhood on the south side that literally junior high kids would not go out after dark. I can remember being afraid. I can remember looking at my closet and wondering what was in that closet. I can remember turning the light out near my bedroom door and then having to run from the light switch to jump into bed and being worried that something or someone might reach out from under my bed and grab my foot as I was flying into bed. Now that might sound silly, but 
there's a survey that tells us that one out of five or 20% of adults, in fact, there were 2,000 adults that were polled by a sleep expert company called Benson for Beds. 20% of adults regularly check under their bed for monsters. It can be easy for us to give in to fear, even if that fear is not logical. I want to talk to you for a minute about a man named Daniel. In fact, when we really get started on the story of Daniel, he's more like a teenage young man. He was taken from his home in Judah because his country was conquered by the nation of Babylon. And he was taken to Babylon, and he was put into the service of the king of Babylon. And he was someone that was intelligent. He was someone that, that had a lot of ability. And because of that, he was put into the service of the king. Daniel had a particular ability, as well as wisdom, as well as a lot of intelligence. God gifted Daniel with the ability to interpret dreams and visions. And he did so with, uh, for the king. And these abilities really put Daniel head and shoulders above all the, younger, the other younger leaders in Babylon, and Daniel quickly moved up into a position of leadership. In fact, it was so significant that the king decided, I'm going to put Daniel not just as one of my top leaders, I'm going to put Daniel in charge of everything, set him over everything in the entire kingdom. As you can imagine, this really made the other leaders there very jealous and very angry. And so they decided that they were going to do something that, would, that they would find out some information on him in order to incriminate him, in order to knock him off the pedestal that he was being set on. They decided they were going to look to find some sort of corruption in Daniel's life to get him in trouble with the king so that he would not be appointed to that position. But as they found out, they were unable to find any corruption whatsoever in Daniel's life. In fact, they decided that unless it had to do something with the law of his God, they would never be able to find anything. So they came up with a plan. They would, they would, find, they would make something up in order to catch him. So they went into the king and they said, oh, king, live forever, like they're being sincere when in actuality they were hatching a plan. They, they went to the king and they said, king, we think that you should declare a decree that over the next 30 days, that if anyone in your kingdom worships any god or any man other than you for the next 30 days... Let that person be thrown into the lion's den. In fact, king, this is so serious. We want you to put this into the kind of a law that cannot be revoked. Let's read in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... 
He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now, obviously, Daniel realized that these other leaders were watching him. They were looking for something to entrap him in. And that day they found him in his home praying, asking God for help. And of course, they went straight to King Darius. And they said, King Darius, we just want you to know that, that Daniel has broken the law. And you're going to have to follow through on that law. Because King, the law that you enacted is the kind of law that cannot be undone. King Darius did not want to throw Daniel into the lion's den, and he tried that day to do everything possible to get out of it, but in the end was not able to change the law because this kind of law could not be altered. And so he had to follow through on his decree, and he had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. As he did so, King Darius spoke to Daniel, and he said, Daniel, May your God, the God that you continually serve, may he rescue you. As you can imagine, that night the king didn't sleep very well. If it were in today's world, he didn't uh, have any snacks. He didn't have a really nice dinner. He didn't sit down to watch Disney Plus or a movie or anything like that. In fact, he couldn't even sleep. And as soon as the first light of the day came, he got up and quickly ran to the lion's den. And he yelled out to Daniel, and he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you? Let's look at Daniel 6 again, verses 21 and 22. It says, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent an angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. You see, Daniel did not give in to fear. He remained strong. He trusted God. He didn't change his ways when he saw the law that was decreed, but rather he trusted God and he continued to be strong. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 where Joshua says this and God is speaking to us. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In Psalm 23, David said it this way, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, I will not fear evil, because you, my God, are with me. Friends, I believe that we can live a life of gratitude even in dark times. But in order to do so, we can't give in to fear. 
We can't give in to fear of a virus. We can't give in to the fear of government. We can't give in to fear of masks or elections or diseases. We must not give in to fear. We will go through dark times. We will be tempted to be afraid. But I want to remind you that God has not given us the spirit of fear. The Bible says that if we resist the devil, if we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. Secondly, we need to praise him in the dark. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in the city of Philippi. And every day they go to a place down by the water in order to pray. And the Bible tells us that there was a servant girl that was following them. And she would loudly cry out that the citizens needed to listen to Paul and Silas because they were telling them about the true God. You think, wow, a little bit of, a little bit of help, that's really a good thing. But she did this over and over again to the point where it really uh, irritated the apostle Paul. And he knew that she was someone that was filled with a demonic spirit. In fact, she used to tell people's futures and her owners would make money as the result. Well, the apostle Paul that day had finally had enough and he spoke to the girl and he commanded that this evil demonic spirit would come out of her in the name of Jesus. And that day she was set free. But because she was someone that made money for her owners, Paul and Silas were arrested that day. The Bible tells us in Acts 16 that they were stripped of their clothes, they were beaten and flogged. The study material that I've looked at talks about them being actually beaten with a bundle of rods. And in the Hebrew culture, the Jews, they would limit a beating like that to 39 strikes or 39 what would be called stripes. But this was not the Hebrew culture. And so there in Philippi, under Roman rule, there would be no such rule. There would be no such law. And so literally, the beating could be unlimited. And so they are then placed in jail. And their feet are put in stocks. And these stocks that they were put in are stocks that are designed to stretch their legs out as far as possible in order to induce a large amount of cramping in the lower part of the body. And then their hands would have been chained behind them to the wall behind them. So let me ask you this question. If you were Paul, if you were Silas, how would you have responded? They were innocent of any wrongdoing. They had simply delivered a slave girl from demonic possession. How would you respond? 
I think we would probably be very quick to complain to God. God, why am I in this situation? You know, God, this really makes me mad that I've got to go through this. I've been doing just what you've asked me to do. And now I find myself having been beaten terribly. And I imagine their their backs are bruised and bloodied. And they are in excruciating pain. There's cramps in their legs uh, as as they're being stretched out out and they're there in that prison. I think we would get angry. I think we would shut down. I think we would really be in a very difficult spot. And I can assure you one thing, I don't think that for any of us it would be easy to worship. But let's look at Acts 16 verses 25 and 26 and let's look at how Paul and Silas responded. It says at about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Instead of complaining, instead of getting angry with God, The Bible says that they began to sing and worship God. How do we respond in dark times in our lives? Often we respond the same way we would expect Paul and Silas to have responded. It's easy for us to complain. It's easy for us to blame others, to get angry, maybe to give God or even our family the silent treatment. Why? Because we're going through a difficult and dark time. The psalmist in Psalm 61 verse 2 talked about a dark time. He said, from the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, we've gone through times in our own lives where our heart has been overwhelmed. And the psalmist in that place, he said, God, even though my heart is overwhelmed in this dark and difficult time, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What was he saying there? He was saying, God, you are higher than I. I worship you and I acknowledge, God, that you are the source of my help. And I want to encourage you today in the midst of whatever dark time that you are going through that you will praise him in the darkness. And I guarantee you that if you do, the very foundations of hell will be shaken. And there are those in your life that are are listening for your response. And when you respond to a time of darkness by lifting up your voice in praise, I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, do you see that? They're in a time of darkness and yet they worship and praise God. Number three, we need to say it loudly. In order for you and I to live a life of gratitude, even in the dark, we need to say it loudly. 
Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. The apostle Paul says this, rejoice always. And then he says, pray continually. And then he says, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When he says that we need to give thanks, what he is saying there is that we need to express our gratitude. And the word I want you to think about there is the word express, because that is not just an internal word. And I'll I'll illustrate that. Those of us that have children, when they're young and they begin to speak, we want to teach them something. We want to teach them to be thankful, and so we teach them when someone gives them something, they need to say thank you. When we are with people that are teaching their children this lesson, often it can be a little bit awkward because they'll say, what do you say when someone gives you something? And they wait for them to say thank you. They're not waiting for them to think thank you. They're waiting for them to say it. Paul says that we need to have, to to express gratitude And we need to do so in every circumstance. Now, that that idea of, of every circumstance, it's not just talking about the good times. In fact, it really alludes in the Greek to a condition of decline. And, and a time of what is called moral deterioration. So this is not a, a good environment. But when we are in these times, in other words, we're in times of darkness in our lives, where there's been a, de- a, 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 a condition of decline, there's been a moral deterioration, that we need to speak out our thanksgiving to God even in those darkest of times. I want to remind you of President Abraham Lincoln, who on October 3rd, 1863, made a proclamation of thanksgiving. I want to read a couple of lines from his proclamation for you today because I think they're very important for us. He says this, that in the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity... President Lincoln was acknowledging just how bad the Civil War really was. Unequaled magnitude and severity. He goes on and he, he offers up and, and makes this proclamation for a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. He is making no no bones about it. This is a day that we need to thank and worship our heavenly father who dwells in heaven. He goes on and he talks about uh, repentance. He says, with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience. Our president is repenting on behalf of our nation. He is coming to God with this declaration of thanksgiving and he has a heart of repentance. 
And then he implores the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it. What a declaration. What a proclamation. You might look back at history and say, you mean to tell me that in the middle of the bloodiest battle, the bloodiest war that America has ever been involved in, where 625,000 Americans died between the North and the South, that in that darkest hour, that Abraham Lincoln was able to declare gratitude to God. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Now, you might think that's ancient history. Let's, let's talk about something that's a little, bit, a little bit more current. All right. So what do we have? We've got unemployment at extremely high levels. We have farm prices that have been taken extremely low over a, a period of time. We have a demand on food pantries that's extremely high. We have shelters for the homeless that are filled to capacity. Would it surprise you that under these conditions, that the American Association for the Advancement of Atheism petitioned the President of the United States to eliminate that annual Thanksgiving proclamation? Sounds an awful lot like 2020 to me. I don't know about you, but actually, it was November of 1930, the year after the stock market crash. Friends, it is time for us to loudly declare our thanksgiving to the Lord. It's time for us to speak it out. It's time for us to express it and to declare it. It's time for us to shout it out for all to hear. Thank you, God, for all that you've blessed us with. I want to close and read from Psalm 95 some verses that have meant a lot to me in my life. Beginning at verse number one, the psalmist says this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all all gods. I want to offer you a challenge. We'll call it the November challenge. The challenge to live a life of gratitude. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to visit our website, silvercreekchurch.org and download the November challenge. It's a calendar where for the entire month of November, there will be a topic and there will be some verses that will allow you to be grateful every day this month. 
that we can truly have a, a, an entire month of thanks living as we live a life of gratitude to God. Download that. If you need to, you can print it off. Otherwise, just keep going back to the website. And every day, take just a few moments to pray a prayer of thanksgiving to God. You see, I believe, I believe that we can live a life of thanksgiving, even in the dark times. But we can only do so if we don't give in to fear. And I remind you again that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And we need to praise him even in the midst of that darkness. We need to worship him even when things look bad, even when we are not excited. We need to lift up his name and praise him. And we need to say it loud. We need to declare it. There is power when we speak the truth. And when we speak our thanksgiving, when we speak our gratitude out loud to God, I believe that the enemy of our souls hears it. And I believe that the gates and the foundations of hell will be shaken because of our gratitude. Would you bow your heads with me? Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the month of November because I believe that there are going to be men and women and young people who sit down at the dinner table after school and after work and they will talk about the things that they can be thankful for and they will read some verses from scripture together and they will declare their thanksgiving to the Lord. And I believe that there's going to be fear that will be assuaged. I believe that there are going to be some people that declare it out loud. They're going to begin to, to worship and sing praise to God even in the midst of the darkness and that the enemy is going to be driven back in our lives. Father, I pray, I pray that this month will see a turnaround in our minds, a turnaround in our hearts and in our attitudes as we take back from the enemy that which he is trying so hard to steal from us the joy that we have in our salvation. Father, I pray today that this month we will see thanks living evident in our lives like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.